From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. Hey, J.R., last week saw Governor Walker inserting himself into the NFL national anthem debate. He called on all NFL players to stand during the anthem instead of taking a knee. In doing so, he sided with President Trump, who has been vocal on the issue. It's worth mentioning that it was a rough week for Trump as a book and anonymous op-ed came out, both of which appear to show that members of his administration are very critical of him and question his judgment. And Walker already has been saying this midterm election year that he could be threatened by a surge in Democratic voting. Why do you think Walker entered the NFL national anthem debate, and do you think he's taking a risk by appearing to align himself with Trump on this issue? For Walker, part of this is he needs his base engaged. Polls have shown that Republicans very much believe that NFL players should stand for the national anthem. Donald Trump has seized on that issue, has pushed it quite a bit. So to Republicans, they think this is, you know, something that works for Walker with his base. They also see a benefit with um, swing voters who, again, they point to polls showing that they also agree that NFL players should stand. And they're trying to put Evers on the defensive. They want to know, okay, well, well, Tony, where do you stand? So Tony Evers says, hey, he stands the anthem, but he believes that people should have the right to kind of protest if they want and try to do it that way. Then you've got like this whole sideshow with Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish suggesting on Twitter that Mandela Barnes, a Dem nominee for Lieutenant Governor, doesn't kneel for the that neighbors, quote unquote, told her that Barnes kneels for the anthem. And it's just it's just kind of like this this fight going back and forth that just gets our attention. But back to the point, I, I just get the impression that Republicans see there's something for you know, Walker to gin up his base, and Democrats see it as just a sideshow. That this is a sign to them of Governor Walker throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks, because they see him struggling with people right now. They don't think he has great poll numbers, and they think he's just flailing away trying to find an answer ahead of the November election. Also last week, Governor Walker's campaign released its first attack ad of the race. It slams Tony Evers for not revoking the license of a middle school teacher who viewed pornographic images on a state computer. This issue has been dogging Evers for months, and outside groups already were running ads blasting Evers. He's responded repeatedly by saying state law at the time wouldn't allow him to revoke the teacher's license. How significant could this issue be in the election? Well, Republicans think this is one of their best punches against Evers. Um, there's a reason why they started throwing it right after he secured the Dem nomination. Uh, the state GOP was out first with two ads, uh, one after the other on this. This is the first time Walker's weighed in on it. But to Republic, Republicans I talk to, they say that this issue moves voters. They think this is something that is problematic for Evers. But you know, for Democrats, when you look at that attack, their question is, will people believe it? Because here you have Tony Evers, a guy who you know, was a teacher, a principal, and state superintendent. Well, voters believe that he really wanted to allow a teacher who viewed porn and made inappropriate comments about young girls' bodies to remain in the classroom. They think these spots are over the top, and they just won't stick in the end. But for Evers, you know, it's part of the process of getting better known. He built his name idea a little bit by winning that primary. He's got some ways to go to match Scott Walker. But the more Republicans can define him, the tougher it is for him to define himself. So there's a race going on in some ways of, you know, can Evers leave an impression for voters about who he wants them to see him as versus Walker trying to find him as this person who did this thing that he thinks, the governor thinks, that turns off uh, independents and even Democrats. 
In another race we've been watching closely, Republican U.S. Senate candidate Leah Vukmir released her first uh, campaign ad of the general election late last week. Vukmir is running against Democratic incumbent Tammy Baldwin in November. The ad doesn't mention Vukmir's support for President Trump or Governor Walker, two areas that she hammered home during the primary. The ad also doesn't even mention that she's a Republican. Do you think this was a deliberate omission, and what are the pros and cons to her taking this approach? Oh, sure. I mean, it's a different audience. You know, in the primary, she she was appealing to a purely Republican audience, a Republican base that, you know, trying to associate herself with Scott Walker because he remains popular with the base, the same thing with Donald Trump. Now we're talking about a general election. It's a different kind of story. She's, you know, softening the edges a little bit. It's part of the different dynamic or different agenda you have in a a general election race versus a primary one. That's why you're seeing that. Also last week, the Kavanaugh hearings sort of worked their way into this race. Uh, Leah Vukmir says if she's elected, she'll meet with all nominees to the U.S. Supreme Court. Vukmir made the promise as confirmation hearings for President Trump's Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh got underway. In making the promise, Vukmir took a swipe at her opponent, uh, Tammy Baldwin, who has not met with Kavanaugh yet but says she's offered dates for a meeting. So do you think the matter of which uh, candidates plan to meet with Supreme Court nominees resonates with voters? When I've been asking people about this issue, the feedback I've gotten is that, you know, Wisconsin isn't like a, an Indiana, a West Virginia, a North Dakota, a Montana, Missouri. I bring those plates up because they're ones that Trump won by double digits two years ago. And you have Democratic incumbents who face more of a pressure about whether they align with the president on various things. In Wisconsin, remember, Trump won the state, but with a plurality of the vote. It's like only by like 23,000 votes. His numbers are upside down in Wisconsin. I just don't get this sense from talking to people that they see this as a driving issue in this race that because, you know, um, Baldwin's not supporting a Trump nominee for the Supreme Court, that she will pay a price at the polls. Now, the flip side is for uh, you know, Leah Vukmir, she can jazz up the Republican base. Um, obviously, Supreme Court nominations are a big deal for those folks, and so she can use it to try and generate some interest and enthusiasm about her candidacy as she goes after Baldwin. And in the race for 6th District Congress, former Vice President Joe Biden endorsed Democratic candidate Dan Cole. He's looking to unseat Republican incumbent Glenn Grothman. Earlier this year, Grothman said he was locked in the toughest race of his political career, and the 6th uh, District contest is expected to be one of the more competitive races in the state in November. Biden is apparently considering a run for president in 2020. So how big of a boost uh, is his endorsement to the coal campaign, and has Grothman received backing from big names? Well, I mean, like, it's by no means a bad thing that Joe Biden endorsed coal. My issue when it comes to endorsements is, do they come with money and infrastructure? That's when they really truly make a difference. I mean, hey, it's, it's a, you know, a good one-day story for coal. You can tout it. Same thing when, you know, Glenn Grothman's endorsed by various people that he thinks are important. But the reality is, you know, Joe Biden, I don't know if he's going to come campaign in Wisconsin. I was going to give uh, Dan Cole a bunch of money. I don't know if he's going to motivate a lot of voters. It's more important when you see endorsements from groups that have those abilities to come in and do things than what's individuals. But again, you know, it's, it's a good one-day story. You can tout it and that kind of stuff. But I don't think that those kinds of things really change the dynamic of that race. 
And finally, former Republican Governor Tommy Thompson says he regrets his part of the prison building boom throughout the 1990s. He apologized for it during an appearance in Milwaukee and acknowledged the recent prison reform movement that has political backing from both parties. What do you make of Thompson's comments, and do you think they'll make a difference in today's debates over criminal justice? Well, first, look at today's debate. There is a debate about building a new prison because Green Bay and Waupon were both built, I believe, in the late 1800s. So there's a question if those facilities are so aged that they need to be replaced. Um, That's part of it. There's also a capacity question the state is dealing with, talking about that. But Thompson's comments, in some ways, are a reflection of a shift for Republicans in general when it comes to prisons. I mean, the kind of the mantra 20 years ago was lock them up, right? Throw away the key. I mean, we built... Uh, Supermax, they used to call it, and Boscobel. There was a movement toward more punitive uh, conditions. That's all changed, especially we're dealing with like the opioid problem and heroin, that there's more of a movement or understanding among Republicans of looking at treatment for some people versus, you know, well, if you put somebody in prison, it's going to go ahead and take care of the drug problem. We learned that doesn't work. So that's part, I think it's a reflection of the greater a, a bigger shift nationally for Republicans than what we saw 20 years ago when Tommy was still governor. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.